You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. Well, today we're in the, in the tenth of a series on Romans. And uh, we're beginning at uh, Romans chapter 6, and 6 verses 1 to 23. And I've entitled the message, Liberty and Responsibility. If you've been looking at your bulletin, you see that uh, Mark McMillan is preaching this morning. Mark gave the announcements, and uh, I'm Hayward Eastman, and uh, and so I'm, I'm preaching this morning. We make a few little mistakes once in a while around here. We're not, none of us are perfect, amen? But we all love the Lord. Okay. In chapter 5, Paul made the statement, where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. And then he quickly points out that grace is not a license to sin. Just because of God's grace doesn't mean that you can do whatever you like. There's some responsibility in accepting that grace and accepting the liberty and the freedom that comes in Christ. To emphasize this, he reminds us of our spiritual baptism into Christ in which we experience a burial into his death and resurrection. And we arise transformed in him to walk in newness of life. He's talking about the new birth. We, Jesus called it born again, and we refer to that phrase very often when we talk about the changed life that we have in Jesus Christ. Jesus said you must be born again. And so my first point this morning is that we are dead to sin but we're alive to God in and through Christ Jesus. Death to sin, we are now free to live as instruments of righteousness to God. As born-again believers, we are new creation, the Bible tells us. We're a new creation in Christ. So Paul, the apostle, asks the all-important question, and then immediately he gives the answer. So in verses 1 and 2 of Romans chapter 6, this is what we see. What shall we say then? What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And then he answers, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? It doesn't make sense to be set free, to be given a freedom in Christ, and then just to walk back into that bondage that we saw ourselves in, that it caused us so many problems and so many things that has messed up our lives many times. His point is that we cannot outsin God's grace. But at the same time, a saved person should be dead to sin 
Sin should not rule over us or have dominion over us. God is able to to change the fact that we were bound by things. Some people of us, some of us in here who were bound by alcohol, some were bound by drugs and other addictions. But Jesus Christ died so that we could be free from that. And he never says, you have to do this, you have to do that. He tells us the right way to walk, and then he says, you make the choice. As far back as in the Old Testament, when God was, was revealing himself to the, to the children of Israel, he said, I lay before you life and death. Choose life. You can choose death and destruction if you want to. He's not going to force you to serve him. He's not going to force you to love him. But he says the wise man, the wise woman will decide to follow Jesus Christ. The old man or the old woman, which is, of course, the sin nature, was buried and died And a new creation was formed in Christ. And we've been raised to walk in this new life. And we should reflect this new life in our lives every day. I'm not the kind of a person I used to be. I was very much different when I was a teenager. I was very much different than I am right now. I had different attitudes. I've told you many times before over the 16 years that I've been here that there wasn't a half a dozen people outside of my own family that I cared anything about. And you can't be a pastor having that kind of an attitude. There had to be a change that took place in my life where I was concerned not only for myself, not only for my family, but for the people around me, the people that I could reach, the people that I could touch in my generation. And I'm so happy that I have a a church, a young church, where I can preach the gospel and say, hey, listen, guys, I've been to some of the places that you have been and you are now, but I have found that Jesus Christ is the one that has given me freedom and joy and peace. And I look back over my life and I'm not sorry that I invited Christ into my life. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 3 to 5 says, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. We were spiritually baptized into Christ before we were ever water baptized. There is a spiritual transformation that takes place when an individual receives Jesus as their personal savior. 
There's a spiritual thing that happens within us that we can't explain. I've been serving God for over 50 years, and I still can't rightfully explain what happens when we accept Christ. It's a spiritual thing. We become spiritually reborn, as Jesus said, born again. And that's when the Holy Spirit takes a residence in my life and in yours. You are now alive in Christ. The next step after we have accepted Christ into our life is water baptism. Water baptism will symbolize the spiritual work that has already been done in your heart. Water baptism doesn't save you. You make a conscious choice to serve God, to receive what he has done on the cross for you, and then you take a step of obedience and say, okay, Lord, I'm repented. I've turned away from my old ways. I've turned away from my sin, and now, Lord, I'm going to serve you. And so it's a step of obedience. And yet there is still another baptism reserved for you and I. It is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And we all need this baptism to empower us for the work of the ministry. The symbolism of being buried with Christ and raised to new life is not lost on the believer's water baptism. It is exactly what happened when you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And every time we have a baptismal service here, it's a public demonstration that these people that are being baptized have come to Jesus. They have asked him to come into their life. They've asked him to make them new. And he has done just exactly that because he promised that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so now they are born again. And so they just want to show you what has happened in a sort of a show and tell. And as they go down into the water, they're saying, my whole life has been buried with Christ. When I said, Jesus, come into my life. And when I rise up again, it symbolizes that I'm a new man. I'm walking in Christ. I've been spiritually reborn. And I intend to stick with it. Amen. The Bible tells us that before we came to know the Lord, we were dead in sin. But now Paul declares that we are no longer dead in sin. But now we are dead to sin. That means that the attractions of sin is no longer having a hold on me. So I, when I see something that I was messed up with before, mixed up with before, whatever. Things that was wrong, things that was dragging me away from what God intended me to be. I don't have a longing desire to do that anymore. And more and more as I become closer to God, more and more as I begin to read his word and his word by the Holy Spirit begins to make sense into my young heart and my young life. I just turn away from it. It's just I don't want to do it anymore. Every, all of the vices that I was involved in gradually fell off. It wasn't 
because the church had a list of do's and don'ts. It was simply because my relationship with God was getting stronger and stronger. And the pull of the world was getting less and less of an influence upon my life. There came a time when peer pressure didn't bother me anymore. I didn't care what anybody else thought because I was in love with Jesus Christ. And I can only use the illustration of my life with Effie. When, once I, I fell in, when I fell in love with Effie, and really the first date I had, I fell in love with her, but I thought she was too young, and so I just said, well, okay, you know, like, it's a little bit ridiculous. I don't think I should be dating her. And, uh, and then a couple of weeks later, I saw her holding hands with another guy. And I said, he was about two years younger than me. I said, well, I, uh, if she can date him, she's going to date me. But you know something? As we began to date, and I became more and more in love with Effie, and, and we felt that we had so much in common in that, the attraction of going out with the boys just fell away. I wanted to be with Effie more than I want to be with the guys. And at that time, I was a drinker as well and into a few things that her parents weren't too sure that she should be dating a guy like me, but God had his hand upon our lives. And I can see now, although neither, neither Effie or I were serving the Lord at the time, but we had a church and we had families that were praying for us continually. And I believe that God brought us together long before we were serving God. And I couldn't ask for a better partner in life and a better partner in ministry than Effie. And God is able to do that for every one of us. You think, oh, we're having a rough time in our marriage, and I don't know if it's going to last. I'm, I'm thinking about telling him. I'm thinking about telling her that it's all over. We can't, just can't make it. We're not meant for each other. We're not compatible. That's lies from the devil. You put your faith and your trust in Jesus. You allow him to order your life, and he will change the things that are causing you problems right now. Off track again. Let's try to get back on. <laughs> Remember that God does not command the believer to be dead in sin. That is because the believer is already dead to sin. We must act upon the actual fact that is true. Verses 12 to 14 says, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body. That's something that I have to do. That's something that you have to do. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body. Don't let the devil be king of your life. Jesus is the king of your life. And you make sure that you, you, you make him the king of your life at all, all times. You see, any day 
You can get up in the morning and say, okay, I'm not going to serve God today. I'm going to go all out for the devil today. And he's not going to stop you. God's not going to stop you. You choose to love God. You choose to serve him. You choose to be faithful to him. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Isn't that amazing? If we were, you and I were under the law today, we would have to be perfect. And we could not do that. Praise God, sin has no dominion over me. The devil don't dictate to me what I do and the choices that I make today. I've been set free. I'm not living under a law of works. I'm not trying to earn my salvation. I fully realize that when God called me into ministry, I could have said no, and I could have made my millions and retired in luxury. And God would have loved me just as much as when I said, yes, okay, Lord, I'll be a pastor and do this. But the blessings that I'm receiving from being able to meet with people and counsel with people is far above anything that money can buy. I'm living under grace, God's unmerited favor towards me. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And so that brings everything down to one common level. The man with millions and multi-millions of dollars cannot buy his salvation. He must come just like you and I. And he must say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Every one of us has to do the same thing. And that's what saves you. That's what guarantees you a place in God's kingdom in heaven. So I just want you to know and to understand. And so to the second point, and I think, yeah, I only have two points today, so we're not going to be too long. The second point is we become slaves to whoever we choose to obey. We are all slaves. It's only a matter of who our master is. We either are slaves to sin and the devil or slaves to righteousness and to God. Being a slave to sin and the devil brings sorrow and anguish and bondage. Being a slave to righteousness and God brings peace and joy and great blessing. 
Well, that don't mean that it's all smooth sailing. Everyone in this room who was born again can tell you of things that have happened in their lives and struggles that they have gone through. But they know that when things get tough, they can turn to the Lord. But usually the most happy Christians are those who when things are going good, they're worshiping God, they're praising God, they're thanking God, they're praying, and they're reading their Bible. And then when things start going wrong, when the enemy tries to get them off track, they have the word of God hidden in their heart. As David the psalmist said, thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so it's a given. When I call upon him, when I share with him my my, my, my failures, my, my anxiety, my worry over things. His word comes alive in my heart. The things that have, I have read that I thought, I, I don't remember anything that I've read. And then when I need it most, there it is. It pops up on the screen of your, of your mind, the screen of your heart. So clear. And you know that you know that you know that the God who has saved you said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will be with you until the end of the age. And he's there to uplift you and to comfort you and encourage you. And you've got friends. You've got friends that you can call on who knows the Lord, who knows how to pray. And they will pray with you and they will believe with you. And you will come out of that valley and the sun will shine again in your life. It doesn't matter what has transpired. It doesn't matter what has happened. Maybe your marriage is gone and, and you feel so alone today. But I want you to know this. That the sun will shine again in your life if you will put God first. If you will honor him with your life. God will bring it to pass. You may be suffering with sickness. Maybe the doctor has told you you don't have long to live. Maybe the doctor has given you a bad report. But I want you to know this. God has the last say. So we believe in a God who saves and keeps and satisfies. We believe in a God who hears and understands. A God who is able to do something about your situation. We've got in this room today some powerful testimonies of what God has done. When the med medical profession has given up on them, they said, no, we will not take that. We will not, we will not stand for that. We will say our God is an awesome God. He's able to save. He's able to keep. He's able to heal. He's able to bring back our marriage. He's able to do things that we never thought could be. We don't care what happens. It doesn't matter. I could lose every cent that I have. Everything could be wiped out. And yet I know that I can become a rich man in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Romans verses 6 verses 15 to 16 says, 
What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law? But under grace, certainly not. Do you not know that those to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are to that one's slave whom you obey, whether to sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness? And so we choose righteousness. We choose to live for him. And we choose to honor the Lord. And we choose to obey him. And he has given us the assurance that if we will, we are on the right track. Paul expressed confidence about the faith and the change in the Christians at Rome. In Romans 16, verses 17 and 18, he says, Romans 6, rather, verses 17 and 18. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves to righteousness. These people were in the same boat that you and I found ourselves in. There was a time, there was a time in their life when they did not know the Lord. They were obeying the enemy of their soul. And then God came in. Someone, Paul the Apostle or Peter or John, somebody, came with the gospel of Jesus Christ and they believed and they stopped serving the devil and they start serving Jesus Christ and they became his slave or his servant. That word slave also means servant. So as slaves or servants of God, we gladly obey his word to do his bidding, not out of compulsion, but out of love and gratitude for him setting us free, for paying that ultimate price that nobody else could pay. Freedom in Christ is not doing what I want, but doing what he wants. You hear that? Freedom in Christ is not doing what I want, but what he wants. And when my wants and my desires line up with his want and his desire for us, then we have something that is beautiful. His plan, his purpose, his will for me. I, in verse 19 says, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. It's a change. It's a total change, a total commitment to Christ. Living a different life. Being the new creature that God said we are when we turn our lives over to him. 
Now as born again believers, let's go all, all out for Jesus Christ. Let's go all out for him. The same way that we went all out for unrighteousness. Let's put as much effort into living righteously as we put into sinning. And see what happens spiritually in your own life and in the lives of people that you care about. For when you were slaves to sin, you were free in regard to, right, uh, to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end, everlasting life. For you and I, we have the choice of everlasting life or everlasting death. And death is never referred to as annihilation. You are going to be alive, but in a different way. You're going to have all of your faculties In the, heavenly, in the heavenly realm or in the spiritual realm. But the thing is, death is simply separation. The body, when the body separates from the soul and the spirit, that's physical death. But you're just as much alive. You're just as much aware after your, your, your spirit and your soul has left your body as you were in your body. The Bible is very clear about that. I can't go into that today, but the Bible is very clear about that. But the death, death is a separation from God. Some people are spiritually dead right now because they're separated from God. But when you are born again, you become spiritually alive and you have eternal life within you. And that eternal life goes on and on and on. You will never be separated from Jesus Christ. Those of you who have been worshiping this morning and felt his power and his presence as we sang those songs, that same power and presence will remain with you long, forever and ever, after your, your spirit and soul has left your body. Eternity with the Lord. The Bible says to be absent from the body, that is to be dead, spiritually, physically dead, is to be present with the Lord. That's what it's all about. It's not about the 60, 70, 80, 90, or 100 years that you can spend on this earth in this body. 
It's about the millions and billions and billions if you want to count in years. It is so vast that the Bible calls it eternity. Forever. Forever with the Lord. Do you know something? Do you know something? Yeah. Jesus loves you. I love Jesus. Have you been drinking today? Lots. Yeah. Tons. Upon, That's, upon tons and tons and tons. I just want you but, to know. But I, but I still come to church and I, and I, and I, and I still volunteer every day. Yeah, okay. So when we're in church, listen, listen to me now. So why are you picking me out of the crowd? It's making me feel weird. I don't like you are, this. You are speaking out. And when I'm preaching, I don't want people speaking out. You can oh. say, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. Yes, okay. You see, the enemy comes to kill and to steal and destroy. And when we allow him to take control of our lives, that's the sort of thing that happens. We're not in control of ourselves. We don't have control. We're not able to make a choice. So that's why Jesus died. My dear sister there, God loves her just as much as she loves me, as he loves me. There is none of us outside of the grace of God. We come into this place, and this is the most comfortable and safe place you can ever be. Nobody looks down on anybody else. We've got a God who loves and cares. And sometimes there may be things in my life or in your life that's a lot worse or just as bad as anything we may see in somebody else's. So we are not here to judge people. We're here to tell the people that there is a God who loves them and there's a God who cares and he wants to make changes in your life. It is so important that we continue in faith Knowing the wages of sin and the gift of God serves as a great motivator. The wise person will choose eternal life. 
Philip, speaking on behalf of the other disciples in John chapter 6, 44, said, Show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. In other words, what is the Heavenly Father like? And Jesus' reply was a revelation in itself. He said, Philip, has I, have I been with you so long, and you still don't know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? You want to know what God is like? Study Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. That's the Father. That's God. Showing himself in love and mercy to each one of us. There's not one of us in this building that are worthy, that have done something so great that we deserve what God has given us. The Bible says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. They sought to know God, and yet there, was, there he was right in front of them. The truth about our salvation is that we did not seek after God. He sought after us. He drew us to himself through Jesus Christ. Jesus, the great shepherd, leaving the 99 to find one that is lost. And the amazing thing is that most of us have found ourselves at some point in time whether in a public service like this or listening to their radio or their TV, somewhere along the way. And Christ, by the Holy Spirit, got a hold of their heart and made it real to them that they needed him. And they said, Lord, I want to serve you. Some of them said, Lord, I don't know if you're real or not, but if you are, if you're up there and if you care, then come into my life. And he has. You know, sheep are not smart enough to find their own way. Sheep need a shepherd. And Isaiah 53, 6 said, We all like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The phrase, not under law, but under grace, does not mean lawlessness. Under grace institutes a new kind of service. As Christians, we have turned from sin to serve and obey the Lord. We are free from sin and have become servants of a new master. The concept of freedom is presented throughout the Bible. One of the most vivid pictures of biblical freedom is the exodus, exodus of Egypt. However, Israel continued freedom dependent upon their obedience to God. When Israel disobeyed God, she found herself right back into bondage. And the same applies to every believer today. 
I, in my years of ministry, I have seen people who started well. I have known people and people who have been very close to me in ministry that are not serving God today. One of some of the saddest pictures are those who once walked with God and then turned away. Like Israel, we're required to obey our master if we are to enjoy the benefits of this new life in Christ. So in conclusion today, when we choose to follow Christ, we must move forward in the pursuit of holiness. God does not expect us to stand still or to, to cling to the life we once led. Instead, he ex expects us to grow in our knowledge of him and obey his word. He leads us in the path that he has chosen. With this liberty we have in Christ comes a responsibility to grow and to mature. Romans chapter 6 should give us hope. Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Since you're not under the law but under grace, Holy Spirit is counseling you in all the ways of God. Learn to say yes to him. Learn to say yes to the Holy Spirit. If you're practicing sin, then sin has dominion over you. I said, if you're practicing sin, if you are continually doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, sin has dominion over you. But under grace, sin doesn't rule and reign in your life. You don't have to do the same thing that is wrong, that you know is absolutely wrong. You can make the change. If you're walking in sin today, Jesus is not here to judge you. If you will confess to him, he will forgive you. Hear him speak to you. Open your ears. Open your heart. Listen to what he's saying. His word says, I did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved. There are people that are messed up into all kinds of things today. That if the Lord tarries, they will be preachers of the gospel. They will be leading people to Christ all over the world. If you want freedom, here's your invitation this morning. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Revelation 3.20 Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I know that this is speaking to, to the church. 
but it can apply to anyone. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. If you're here today and if God is speaking to your heart, if you can hear that knocking in your heart today, you may not understand it, Just take time. Let's bow our head in prayer. Just take time. Say, Lord, what do you want from me? Do you want to know the Lord? Say, Lord, you don't have to say it out loud, just under your breath. Lord, I want to know you. I want joy. I want peace. I want forgiveness. Lord, I need you. I need help. If you make that kind of a prayer to God, he will hear you and he will save you. He'll forgive you and he'll give you a hope. I've seen it happen so many times before. I saw a young man having to be led up to the front by two ushers because he was too drunk to stand. Walk away from the altar sober. And in a couple of years, four years, he was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what God can do. He's in the change business. He's in the business of changing lives and changing hearts and changing attitudes. And if you need change in your life today, I don't care who you are, he will do it. As the music is playing, I'll pray a prayer of closing. Anyone who wants prayer, you come and we'll pray with you. Heavenly Father, today, I have delivered your word just as you told me. And I ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will do the rest. Be with these people. May they have a great day. May they enjoy the sunshine. And more than ever, may they enjoy your presence in their lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you. Thank you for coming today. Have a great day in Jesus. If you need prayer, you come. You have been listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. 
Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.